When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blagranas podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by our buddy Emil Avanesi. And Emil, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. Welcome from, hello from the south of Spain. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're dealing with hotel Wi-Fi here, so fingers crossed uh, we're not going to have any problems today. But, uh, yeah, today's an interesting day uh, in Barcelona land. Um We'll talk about the Europa League draw later, but I think kind of the biggest story of the last week is, of course, PK's uh, surprise announcement. Were you were you shocked that he was randomly going <clears throat> to retire in three days? I mean, yes. Uh, I mean, on the whole, yes. Because, you know, I, I figured just because he's such a venerated figure and he's, you know, he's accomplished so much and whatever, like his family and just his own history is just so tied to Barca. I thought that he would see out the season and particularly because, you know, as poorly as things went in the champions league, um, I mean, this Barca team genuinely has a look of a team that could win the league and, you know, to kind of maybe put together a really nice, you know, league run and ideally a league title, maybe a nice Copa del Rey run, that kind of thing. I thought he would kind of stick around for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, and then just kind of right off into the sunset the way, you know, Javi, Iniesta, those guys did. But on the other side, I mean, his, especially in the last few weeks, his, I don't even want, I don't know, like his decline or his shortcomings have been so kind of prevalent and significant. I and mean, particularly against, uh, I believe it was, was it the second leg against Inter where, I mean, it was just, it was grim, you know? I mean, it just, he literally was the cause or, you know, the, he was absolutely just asleep at the wheel for one of their goals. And, you know, I mean, I think it's, he's, he was never a sort of a a hyper athlete type of player. So I think he has all the savvy and the know-how, but I think the, physical tools have eroded enough where I don't know that any amount of savvy kind of makes up for that because in the way, the same way, like Sergio Busquets was never a, you know, blazing fast or, you know, anything like that. Like he was never, you'd never consider him like just this insane specimen or athlete. 
but he was a good enough athlete who is a genius at the game. He has, you see his erosion too, but he still has enough of his physical gifts to then allow his smarts and savvy to carry him the rest of the way to, you know, solid or excellent performances. Yeah. The, the, the main reason that I was surprised, um, was that, you know, not so much like, oh, let's finish the season on a high note. There's still a chance for some more silverware for PK. It's more so like Barcelona just need bodies in defense at this point. Like they're playing Marcus Alonso mm, at center right. back. And so that's kind of the thing where I was like, I know he was bad. And obviously he's self I hope self aware enough to know he was bad. Uh, Xavi thought he was bad, obviously, because he's slotting Alonso in at center back. But I mean, especially post World Cup, like Araujo. Seems like he's going with Uruguay and he might get hurt again. Um, and just the depth they have isn't isn't there. And so if I'm him, if I'm PK, I'm thinking, yeah, I might suck, but like I'm still probably gonna get minutes. Right. And <clears throat> I mean, to your point, you actually bring up a really good point. I mean, look, Javi clearly had enough issues with PK's whatever his form or just the the status of his game at this point that like PK was only playing because he was the what like fifth or sixth choice center back he's playing because they're like the walking wounded back there and so yeah I mean I guess it's it's I guess it's kind of a tug of war ego wise because on the one hand you could be like there's there's the pride and ego bit where you're like you know the club needs me and I can heroically kind of soldier on and everything like that. But I think there's also the other part of the ego where whether he's self-aware or, I mean, he's clearly self-aware enough to realize that like this isn't working anymore. You know what I mean? He's not a world-class center back. And when there's a, a genuine top, you know, top tier attacker running at him, there's only so much he can do. He's still a good, I still think he's a good defender kind of in a phone booth, um, you know, like in those tight spaces and just winning the ball and poking it loose, things like that. I think he's still excellent at that, but I think the deficiency just in keeping up with the pace and power of some of the top attackers now, I just don't think he has it. And I can understand because if he kind of looks forward and he's like, okay, I can keep doing this and sort of try to be the valiant hero who's trying to save this thing. But it would probably be tough to be like, oh my God, I have to take six months of just getting worked over by, you know, 23 year olds who are just tireless and stronger and, you know, whatever. And, you know, whatever, just hungry and trying to make a name at my expense. Yeah, it seems, uh, and I know you'll appreciate this as a as a uh, American football fan as well. But uh, I was thinking yesterday, and I'm sure this point's been made: the similarities between him and Tom Brady are kind of strange at this point. Like two declining physical players going through some personal life trauma. Uh, on one hand, PK realizes it's time to with hang their it celebrity, up. with their celebrity paramours. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Tom Brady's still hanging on for dear life. But um, to to kind of put a bow on PK. Yeah. What's the thing that when you think of Gerard Piquet in 20 years, what are you going to think about? 
the funny thing is, I don't even know if it's like one thing necessarily, but I remember him just sort of being the, I mean, particularly post Puyol, uh, if you think of the, there's kind of that core five, you know, of the, if you exclude Puyol, of, you know, Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Piquet, and Busquets. And while each of, you know, Busquets in particular has, you know, a long track record of agitating opponents and, and things like that, none of the other four were particularly kind of demonstrative or particularly vocal or anything like that. And PK was kind of the, I don't know, he was the grinning face and he was the voice of those teams, the sort of the, particularly the post Guardiola uh, Barca teams. Uh, I don't know that he was ever the best player. I don't even know that he was, I, I wonder even, he was obviously an excellent to great defender. I don't know where he falls sort of on the, you know, on any sort of like Pantheon or rankings list or whatever, but I do think he meant more. He meant an immense amount to Barca. And I always see him as the kind of the, the emotional and spiritual counterweight to Sergio Ramos from that era. And I, I think it's that, I think he was just sort of, he was a little bit of the, like the mischievous spirit of, of the team post, you know, post Ronaldinho post, like, you know, post kind of anybody that spoke out and, you know, did anything kind of vocal or even remotely kind of inflammatory or controversial. You know what I mean? Like he agitated Espanol fans. He just invariably would, you know, piss off Real Madrid fans and, he was one of the only guys to consistently do that and also have the weight and the gravitas to to kind of do it and be taken seriously doing it. No, 100%. Like when I think about him, I feel like I agree with you. I'm not going to think about a specific moment. I'm not going to think about a specific on-pitch talent he had. I'm just going to think of he was kind of the stereotypical perfect guy to be the captain of Barcelona in the period he was. He was vocal, just vocal enough to kind of yeah. cover for the quiet nature of Messi and Iniesta, uh, and he was calm enough to kind of cover for the Danny Alvises of the group, right? He was the perfect counterweight to everything, like yeah. you said. Yeah, and <clears throat> that is, look, I mean, he was the the right guy for the right team, and because there, you know, I think you and I have talked about it, and you know, I don't think I'm coming clean because I think I've already come clean on this. I'm like, I am an unabashed sort of closet. Uh, Sergio Ramos, you know, I don't know if fan is the word, but, you know, appreciator or, you know, like I, I don't dislike Sergio Ramos. Uh, <clears throat> he did his thing in a very different way from how PK did it for Barca. And I think they each, you know, embodied the ethos of their respective clubs in a pretty perfect way. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 100%. Um, let's move on from PK. Let's talk about the... Uh, the you know 
the European draw for Barcelona. Um, it couldn't have been more hilarious yeah. and perfect. Uh, I think on paper, like Barcelona should win this, uh, but it's Barcelona and it's Manchester United. How excited are you for this? Because this at least like <laughs> this is just it's hilarious that it's that it's happening in the Europa League, but it's still just incredible. Uh, it's the most kind of 2022 matchup you could possibly get. And just, you know, like it's the I don't know, like the, the life comes at you fast, Darby. Like just and, you know, like um yeah, like I'm simultaneously super excited for it because I do think Barca should win. I think they are the better team. And even of the three, kind of the three most damaging Champions League group stage results that they endured. So being the first leg against, you know, or the first matchup with Bayern and then the, the two against Inter. On balance, I think Barca was the better team, you know, across those three matches. I mean, ridiculously, you know, they, they lost, you know, by an aggregate of what, what was it like eight to, was it eight to no six to five or six to three, but uh, they were the better, like they, they could have come through that thing. So if they can still carry that over, they are the better team. They, they're the more coherent team. They should be good enough to do this, but like, there's enough on that man United team to exploit the defensive lapses that occur with Barca. You know what I mean? No, and I, uh, you know, we're both Barcelona supporters. Uh, I'm fine with any sort of result because any of it creates hilarious talking points for any purpose. Um, Barcelona should 100% win, but here's the thing. If they do or they don't, it really doesn't matter because it's just the beginning stages. And, like, they looked good in the Europa League last year, but... If they win the Europa League title, everyone's going to be happy for two seconds, then remember what they're doing. Um, I want to talk about the Champions League. Uh, yeah, I know Barcelona aren't in it. And I'm going to give you the chance to talk about yep. one of the matchups. You can talk about Liverpool-Real Madrid, Dortmund-Chelsea, or PSG-Bayern. Which is your favorite, and why do you want to talk about it? Okay, Liverpool-Madrid, Dortmund-Chelsea, PSG-Bayern. I mean, I feel like hmm, I feel like I'm gonna stay true to my brand and just go with kind of backhanded compliments at PSG, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go PSG Bayern because I feel like this is sort of in all sorts of ways. I think in in classic fashion, if you are a PSG fan or you know PSG you probably look at this matchup and you figure, okay, Bayern Munich is obviously still Bayern Munich. Like they're, they're great. They're deep. They're talented. You know, they're both young and experienced. Like they're, they're kind of the the total package. They're Bayern Munich. But this also presumably might be one of the kind of more gettable Bayern Munich teams of, you know, perhaps the last, you know, couple of vintages. And so, not to mention the fact that, you know, once PSG finally did claw their way to a Champions League final, Bayern Munich and, you know, and I always think, whenever I say Bayern Munich and I think of kind of the 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 downside of losing to Bayern Munich, I just think of like Thomas Muller's grinning face and like they were there to do that to them. And 
So this ideally, if you're PSG, is your moment to exact that revenge and, you know, ideally sort of catapult yourself to the, that Champions League glory that you feel like you've purchased. And like, so, but you know, it's not going to go like that. And like, that's kind of what I love about it. I'm look, I continue to unabashedly want Messi to be the best player on planet earth but like i don't care really about neymar i don't care about mbappe or anything i just i would love for messi to score a brace in both matches but for psg to sort of go out in it, it's going to be hilarious too like it's not they're not going to lose like a normal game like they're not going to lose a two one game where you're like oh man you know both teams played hard it's going to be something obscene and I am, I am on board for it. I, I, I don't, I don't believe in the occult. I don't believe in curses and stuff like that. Except when you get to like PSG and Man City in the Champions League, like I'm listening at that point. And here's, I have an addition. Like speaking of a curse, um, <clears throat> I was very kind of up, you know, like thinking just, you know, who, who do I like in this? PSG are better on paper. Byron at the history, and then I saw. Uh, as you mentioned, speaking of the grin, Thomas Mueller posted a video after the draw was announced. I didn't listen to the audio, but I just saw his smiling face talking for a minute and a half into his camera. And I was like, it's over. Anytime he does this, they win. Uh, I don't know what he's saying. He could be saying yeah. gobbledygook for all it, it matters. But the fact that he was happy and he thought it was hilarious for some reason, it's over. Look, I mean, Byron, Byron Munich, and there, <clears throat> there are a lot of... <clears throat> Excuse me. I said this during last year's ridiculous Champions League run that Real Madrid had, and look, it applies to them. But there and there are there are a handful of you know major European clubs that it applies to. But with Bayern Munich, as much as any team, and Thomas Muller, as much or more than any player I can think of, I just the one feeling I get is like the house always wins. You know, like they just this is this is what happens. Like Thomas Muller is not, and not only is Thomas Muller not here to suffer indignities at anyone's hands. Like it's like someone gave him inside information that like, he will not suffer indignities at anyone's hands and he acts accordingly. Um, I'm going <laughs> to switch topics again on you. Uh, it's been 365 yeah. days since Xavi was appointed manager of Barcelona. I'm not going to ask you to give him a grade. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to give him a rating. Just tell me what your perception has been of Xavi one year in. Um, I mean, generally, like, I'd say very positive. Um, you know, he's he's brought us, like, there is a certain, and the funny thing is, like, you know, we say stability, and, like, and I know he's <clears throat> he's always, he's the most kind of animated and fired up manager that they've had on the touchline, you know, probably of the last several you know and uh, but he i feel like he grounds the the club in a certain sense of expectation and and status that i feel like his last few predecessors just simply couldn't um you know there have been certain cases where 
you know, whatever you can nitpick individual decisions and things like that. Like I would have loved to see him start on Sufati the, the week of ideally for both, but at least for one of the, that week of the inter Milan real Madrid game, like, you know, a few weeks ago, but on the whole, I mean, I think he's, he's gotten this to be a very coherent team, if nothing else. I mean, if you go back like those 365 days, like how grim and dark were the conversations that we were having then? I mean, it was just like existential crisis after existential crisis. And yeah, things have gone wrong. You know what I mean? Like they, Barca never mounted a league challenge last year, crashed out of the Champions League, crashed out of the Europa. And then this year, Champions League. So yeah, like, I'm, it's not sort of a, a Pollyanna-ish idealistic, idealistic thought, but as much as anything, I think like there, it looks like a good team. Like this looks like one of the better teams in Europe again, if not the you know top three, top four, and from where we were exactly a year ago. And I understand they spent an absolute boatload of money over the summer to bring in a load of new players, but the thing is he's made that kind of work and you know, he, he's made his choices. He's made the difficult calls. He put PK and Alba on the back burner until he absolutely needed to break glass and just get warm bodies out there. I don't know. I think it's good. I think he's, you know, there are young players. I mean, how great has Gavi been, you know, under, under Chavi? Uh, Balde has been fantastic. Uh, he was able to integrate and, you know, credit goes to the players themselves, but, you know, Lewandowski came in and he's been by all accounts. I mean, not only he's been fantastic in the league and by all accounts, it looks like the team, you know, the players love him, even though he just, he was basically the only player who's come in and been a in ink starter from day one. Um, you know, and I mean, man, you think of like, he's navigated the Frankie de Young situation too. And I don't know. I think he's, I think he's done a really good job and he came in under just bleak, bleak circumstances. And for, for us to have kind of optimism and for this to be a decent shout, this seemed to be a decent shout to win the league. It's pretty good. hundred percent agree. Um, I think this is, this is the last time I'm going to talk to you before the World Cup starts. We're, we're, we'll probably talk during the World Cup, but heading into yeah. it, I can ask you who you think yeah. is going to win. Who are three teams that you are just so excited to watch in the World Cup? It's so funny. My wife actually asked me this because we, we walked past a store that was, um, you know, they had all the, the Spanish, just a bunch of like Spain shirts and stuff. And <clears throat> so she asked, <laughs> the two things she asked, he's like, so are we rooting for Spain? <laughs> and um, and, um, and also she asked me who I thought was going to win. I mean, I think, I mean, I don't want to go too chalk, but I mean, I think it's, I mean, you probably have to say France, Belgium, France, Belgium, Brazil, I guess. But I think there's a second tier of sort of Spain, England, Argentina. Um, I'm trying to think who I'm, you know, 
I'm trying to think who I'm leaving out. That... Probably Portugal, I guess. Yeah. I'm not buying. I'm, the thing is, I'm not really buying Portugal. Not that they're bad. I don't think they're going to be like an abject disaster, but I don't think they're. I don't think they're good enough to yeah. to sort of battle their way through all of those all of those teams. So I mean, I would probably say one of those six will win. And I know like Senegal's good, like for, of the African teams, and. So, I mean, I would kind of put them in that second tier, but I think the top three is France, Belgium, Brazil, probably. Yeah, I'm kind of of the opinion that it's, that I don't, with Lukaku hurt, I'm not confident Belgium's there anymore. I I think it's Brazil and France and then everybody else, in my opinion. But Yeah. Um, yeah. If I had to, if I had to wager, those would be the two teams I, I'd bet on first. Uh, all right. Before we head out, tell us what you're working on. I, I know you probably have a 10,000 word PK draft saved in a word doc somewhere secret, but, uh, tell <laughs> us what you're working on. I, I, I don't at the moment actually. Uh, but, uh, so these days, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty on brand. It's, it's gotten a little more. So, uh, these days I'm actually writing very regularly for, uh, the website is actually called bonus.com and it's all, I'm doing a lot of, uh, sort of casino and gaming news reporting and news stories and stuff like that. And then in addition, I'm essentially just doing a lot of the, uh, you know, urban pitch and uh, the various other outlets, just doing the, the regular kind of football writing. I haven't done any big uh, world cup stuff. Um, largely because I just, I didn't feel like just doing a standard world cup preview and I, didn't know what like how else to make it particularly interesting uh no i'm actually glad i the pk thing was funny because i didn't have it was something i thought about sitting down to write about but then as i thought about it um i couldn't really think about what it was that i wanted to actually say about pk so i think the conversation that you and i had i don't even know if i'm going to sit down and write about it but it was probably the most coherent uh and straight to the point kind of summation of my thoughts on Jared PK that I think I could give. Yeah. I mean, here's the pitch. You title it. Oh, captain, my captain. Uh, why Gerard PK yes. is the perfect captain for the 2010s for Barcelona. There you go. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I could probably sell that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah why not? Uh, all right. As always, uh, you guys can check out Emil at hardwood hype on Twitter. For uh, all of his hot takes and great content. And as always, Emil, thank you for joining us. Enjoy your vacation. Man, thank you so much. Uh, have a good one. <laughs>